nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Freddy's just around the corner. Welcome to Slash, a horror movie podcast. In season two of Slash, we will be covering the films of the A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Starting with the 1984 Wes Craven classic, and ending with its remake from 2010. Slash is available everywhere podcasts can be found. You can follow Slash on Twitter at Slash Horror. And you can find every episode of Slash at fansnotexperts.com forward slash slash. Enjoy the show. Remember that it's fun to be scared. And whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Greetings, horror fans, and welcome back to Slash. Today, we're going back to 1987, where we will be talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. Is this the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Is this the best Nightmare on Elm Street sequel? Yes. I'm going to say it right now. Yes. And I haven't watched part four in a hundred million years. I haven't watched part three in a hundred million years. Um, but at first glance, with all the memories that I have, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is the greatest sequel. I'm still going to put one first, but this is right behind it. Folks, welcome back. To slash. I don't know. I said that already, but really welcome back. It has been quite some time since I put up an episode, since I put up uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, Freddy's Revenge. I think that was back in November. I don't know. It was a while ago. It was a while ago. Um, I was going to say November, but I'm really not sure. Um, but here we are, finally back. Now, if you are watching this on YouTube and you are kind of new to the YouTube channel, uh, there's been a few new subscribers in the past month uh, with some other videos being posted. Uh, this is a horror movie podcast where every episode gets put up as a video as well so that I can wear my Freddy Krueger shirt and show my Freddy Krueger glove and wear my, um, well, I guess it's not a Freddy Krueger hat, but my wife got me this hat for Christmas and I pretty much haven't taken it off. Um, that being said, we do horror movie franchises. So you will find a video for every movie in the Halloween franchise. 
and eventually we'll get there with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and so on and so forth. Um, so strap in, people. I have a new light. I have, I'm using my webcam. I'm trying again to record the video through Zoom. I think I figured out a way to do HD. I might tweak it a little bit in iMovie and see if I can make this look presentable. I'm also recording the audio through Zoom. So we'll see how that works out. Um, for those of you who have been listeners to the podcast or, or, or viewers on YouTube, you'll notice a difference with this uh, episode and all episodes going forward. I would take copious, copious notes on these movies. Sometimes I'd have 18 pages of bullet points of notes that I want to talk about because I would go step by step through the whole movie. It would take me three hours to watch an hour and a half movie because I'd stop. I write a note. I talk. This is what happens. up, And then this happens. And then this happens. That's how I go about the movie. That's how I go about the podcast. And I'm not sure it makes for an interesting podcast. It definitely doesn't make for a fun kind of, um, it doesn't make for a fun podcast for me. Uh, and I remember talking to my cousin once he goes, Oh, I, I was working on something and it felt like homework. And I was like, Oh, that's what it feels like when I do these, these podcasts where I put so much, so many details into it, uh, you know, where I go, and then this scene happened and then this scene happened. And, um, I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. Number one, it will allow for these podcasts to be in these videos to be done much more frequently because I'm not going to sit there. I need three hours, four hours to watch a movie uh, and then go through it and then record it. No, 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 no. Uh, and number two, it's just going to be more fun all coming from up here or mostly coming from up here. There might be moments where I, I take notes. In fact, I took some notes uh, for this before I decided I'm not doing the step-by-step -step anymore. Um, just some real, real basic stuff because I still want to go through the basics and I still want to go through Slashopedia. That's where I literally go look at the Wikipedia page for the movie and talk about some of the production in there <clears throat> and talk about some personal things. Uh, if, if there are personal kind of connections with a specific movie and with this movie, there 100% is. And I've talked about it many times in various other uh, podcasts, but um, I'll get there in a few seconds. So this movie, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, was released February 27th, 1987 so it's a year and a half later year and a half after part two and i think for the next like they do 87 88 89 they do three years in a row three movies in a row i think uh 91 is final nightmare i think again didn't write it down uh but here's the thing these movies are still continuing to make money now the second movie wasn't much of a critical success and I'll get to that in the Slashopedia. Uh, but this one was, in. when you hear the number, nowadays it doesn't seem like much. But in 1987, $44 million at the box office, almost $45 million at the box office, is a pretty good take, especially when the movie cost about $4.5 million. That's like 10 times the investment. So you put a little bit in, you get a lot out. Uh, this movie... As I said, four and a half million dollar budget, forty almost forty five million dollars at the box office. And here's the one of the things. Number one, Freddie is becoming kind of a cultural icon at this point. In fact, I feel like this is the movie and this is the beginning of the the toys and the costumes 
and the the video games. I feel like it all kind of kicks off with this, the blending of pop culture and Freddy Krueger. And a lot of that has to do with um, a man by the name of Don Dawkins. I don't know if you know who Don Dawkins is. Uh, Don Dawkins is a 17th century philosopher who uh, the, the band Dawkins was named after. Or Don Dawkins is the lead singer of the band Dawkins. You decide which one you want to go with. Uh, they put out a song called Dream Warriors for this movie, Dream Warriors. And you were hearing that as this podcast started. Uh, a, po- a song not only that I loved growing up, a music video that brought in uh, Hard Rock and Freddy Krueger in the video, and George Lynch, the guitarist, had a bone guitar. It had everything that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not looking for. It had all of that. Um, and I was I was in love with it. I'm 11 years old at this point, not even 11 years old. And I am like all in. Freddy's the best. He's cool. He talks, not like those other schlubs that just walk around and stab. This guy is hilarious. And not only that, um, this was the first horror movie that I ever saw in the movie theater. Yes, 10 going on 11. My dad, dear old dad, who the last movie I went to go see with him was It Chapter 2. He loves his horror movies. He still loves his horror movies. Dear old dad took me and my brother. Yeah, me and my, not my brother and I. He took me and my brother. Um, he's not going to watch this and correct my English, so, so that's okay. Uh, or English, because I, I can't even talk. He took us to see this movie. We went to a second-run theater. It was the, I believe it was the cinema... I should, I, I'm not even sure. I thought it was a second run theater. We'd get the first run theater. The first run movies would go right to showcase cinema. They'd be there for a while. And then they'd move on to either uh, Salem try in New Hampshire or the 495 cinema in uh, Haverhill. For some reason, I feel like he took us to one of these second run theaters to see this movie. I could be wrong, but my brother and I and dad went to see this movie. And it, it, it's crazy because there's lots of violence. Uh, there's boobies. And uh, I'm a 10-year-old kid, and I thought, well, this is obviously going to be up for Best Picture of the Year. It didn't come through. It didn't win an Oscar that year, but it, it's completely, I thought it was going to to do so. Um, and I think a lot of that, besides all those things I mentioned already, what made this movie, um, what made this movie higher quality than part two was the return of Wes Craven. Now, Wes wasn't, didn't direct this movie. Uh, he was off doing, uh, I don't know what he was doing. He was doing a different movie. And I'm sure it's in the, the, the I think it's in the Slashopedia why he didn't direct it. But he came back and he he wrote this. He co-wrote this movie with um, the director, Chuck Russell, who was known for The Blob, The Mask, Eraser. He, he directed all those movies. Yes, The Mask. Not Mask with Cher. The Mask with Jim Carrey. Uh, Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Blob with, I want to say, Kevin Dillon. I'm not sure. And, of course, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors with Craig Wasson. Right? Did I get that right? I should have. Um, he co-wrote that with Chuck Russell, Wes Craven, Bruce Wagner, I don't know who that is, and Frank Darabont. Yes. Shawshank Redemption, The Mist, The Walking Dead, Frank Darabont is a co-writer on this movie. So there's quality uh, creatives behind this film and it shows they decide to take this movie 
and um, they decide to take the uh, kind of the idea of Freddy and the fact that he can kill in dreams and push it to the point where, hey, let's have fun with this. And not only that, let's make it like the second movie. It was like, okay, there's Freddy and there's a bunch of new kids. No, no, no. Let's make it them have uh, a reason for this happening. And let's bring back uh, a fan favorite. Let's bring back Heather Langenkamp herself. Nancy Thompson returns for this movie. Uh, now, she all, this is three years after the first movie. Okay? She looks about 20 years older. I think, now, number one, in the first movie, she was young. She was older than she played. But in this movie, give her some shoulder pads, tease her hair up, give her a little, give her that, well, she had the gray from the first one. But just mostly tease her hair up. Plus, she is, uh, you know, a few years older, and all of a sudden, she's an adult. Now, she's not uh, the. She's still too young for the guy that she seems to be the doctor who she seems to be spending an awful lot of time with. But um, to me, I thought, wow, Nancy's back, and she's a grown up now, and I like her teased hair, and those shoulder pads are killer. Um, but she says it's six years later, so this is nineteen ninety in the world of Freddy Krueger, but didn't part two say it was five years later. So that was 1980. So this 89, and this is part three. And it's, there's, there are certain things that you just kind of have to forget about timeline, logic, where Freddy came from, how he came back uh, and just go with it. Uh, I'm going to go to the, what I call slash opedia slash opedia now. And I have no other notes. So this is exciting. Um, but I wanted to read some of the things that uh, came out of the Wikipedia page, which, you know, is gospel on this podcast. Wikipedia is always factually correct. Following the critical failure of Freddy's Revenge, New Line Cinema was unsure it would continue with the series. This is the house, uh, New Line, the house that Freddy built. And at this point, they're like, yeah, maybe we're not going to do this. Uh, you know, Wes Craven was not back in the second one. And he, he uh, had not wanted to evolve this into a franchise, but due to immense dissatisfaction of Freddy's Revenge, he signed on to co-write the screenplay for the third installment uh, with the intention that it would end the series. And it was pretty much, well, it says, however, the success of Dream Warriors prompted a continuation of the series, except they really did make it seem like it was the end, except right at the end when, you know, we all know what happens at the very, very end. So um, Fred, Wes Craven's first concept for the film, and this is really cool to, to hear this, uh, was to have Freddy Krueger invade the real world. Krueger would haunt the actors filming a new Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. That's very meta. But New Land Cinema said, you know what? That is, we're rejecting that idea. But doesn't that sound familiar? That's because that is pretty much the, uh, the concept of New Nightmare that we'll get to someday. Uh, oh, and the reason he didn't direct, he wasn't available to direct, is because he was filming Deadly Friend. Remember Deadly Friend with Christy Swanson uh, before she went cuckoo? Uh, yes, that is that was what she, he was doing instead of doing this. Would it have made a difference? It might have. I don't know because I feel like Chuck Russell brought something to this creatively with the sets and the and the kind of the making it feel bigger. Uh, there's some cool effects in this for 1987. And um, I am happy with this. I'm happy with the fact that it was Chuck Russell because I feel maybe Wes Craven would have made it too realistic. 
or maybe would have taken some of the kind of the cartoonish campiness out of it that um, they lean into here and they continue to lean into forever and ever. Uh, before the script was was finalized, this I read seems insane. John Saxon and Robert England all both wrote their own scripts for a third nightmare film. Yes, John Saxon, Nancy's dad in the movie. Uh, in Saxon's script, a prequel story called How the Nightmare on Elm Street All Began, Freddy is ultimately innocent or at least set up for the murders by the main culprits, the Manson family. The Manson family. Freddy's forced by a mob of angry parents to confess to the crime, which enrages them further. After lynching Freddy, he comes back to avenge his wrongful death by targeting the mob's children. So John Saxon's idea was that Freddy is the hero. He's been the hero the entire time. And he's going to kill the children of the real villains uh, as revenge. That seems crazy. In Robert England's version, uh, Freddy's Funhouse, the protagonist, is Tina's older sister. Now, she was away at college when Tina was murdered, but she obviously didn't even come back for the funeral. And she returns to Springwood to investigate how she died. I feel like that reminds me of part four of uh, Friday the 13th, where that girl went missing and the brother came in to investigate. Not exactly the same, but um, I just thought that was kind of, kind of, it reminded me of that. Uh, it says, she returns to Springwood to investigate the death. Freddie has claimed 1428 Elm Street as his own in the dream world. And he sets up his own home alone booby trap system like Nancy had done against him. According to Robin England, after the script had been unused for years, part of it was used in the pilot episode of Freddy's Nightmares. So I have the pilot episode of Freddy's Nightmares. I have a, a copy of it. I feel like I should watch it. I haven't watched it um, because it still hasn't happened in this timeline in the, in the world of Nightmare on Elm Street. But I'm starting to think maybe I will. Maybe, maybe, maybe I will. So without any further ado, why don't we just start talking about the movie? This movie is awesome on so many different ways. Like, I guess it just hit me at the right time. It, it, in, you know, when seeing it at 10 years old was like, oh my God, there's the iconic house. I don't even know if the house was iconic. It still was kind of like, Freddie was there in Elm Street. Part two, I still think he was there because of the glove. I think that's why he went after the dude in part two and they lived in the same street. Now we're expanding off of Elm street. This is where I'm like, what's going on here? And they make it logical. I'm going to bounce around. They make it logical because they're saying these kids all grew up on Elm street. They're the last of the Elm street children. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how the, I guess they were really young or they weren't even born. No, they were really young because Nancy was really young and they're even younger. I don't know. I'm not sure even the age difference is supposed to be between these kids and Nancy, or if they're even considered high school kids. I don't know. Some of them are probably older than Heather Lane. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care. Um, the fact is, is that they, they, the house is, I seem, I seems iconic in this one, but it doesn't have to take place there in the real world even though it pretty much takes place there in the dream world. And here's the thing. The main character of this, of this movie, 
uh, is Patricia Arquette. Big movie star. Even at the time, she was pretty much unknown, but she had that Arquette name. Her dad was an actor and her sister was already uh, a, a well-known actress, Rosanna Arquette. You know, Toto, Rosanna, Rosanna. Yes, that song was written about her. She had a couple songs written about her, but that was the most famous song. Yes, I didn't make any of that up. Uh, so she's coming in fairly unknown to the to most people, but I feel like all the other people there are like, wow, that's she's from the Arquette family. So she already has some sort of um, uh, gravitas, even though she is, I think, at least based on, again, Wikipedia, she's the third build in this behind Mr. Craig Wasson, who I, I know from this movie. And he was also in a movie called Body Double. And that's all I really know him from. Uh, and Heather Langenkamp, of course, I know her from these two movies, that other nightmare movie, and just the 10 of us. That's pretty much my entire head Langenkamp. But it was it felt like a get. It felt like Nancy's back. This is awesome. But we're not there yet. We start with Kristen. She is the main protagonist of this movie. And she is a kid who doesn't want to fall asleep. She eats coffee grounds. She drinks Diet Coke. She's one step away from me. I don't eat the coffee grounds, but I will drink the Diet Coke. And she and she's working on this paper mache house. I thought paper mache was the, was the coolest. Let's not say coolest. I thought the fact that she made this spooky house out of paper mache was cool. I think I worked on a paper mache mountain or volcano or some sort of thing in Cub Scouts one year uh mrs walsh was my was my den den mother that's all i remember from paper mache that's my whole complete experience but this girl she's an artist right out of the bat making this beautiful house uh and i'm, I'm i don't have notes but i do have the the movie pulled up in front of me just to kind of, kind of remind me where i am and where i'm going in this i'm not gonna go beat by beat by beat or maybe i am i have no idea but uh she's trying to to work on you know she's working on the house her mom comes in, complete bitch. And I remember her being a bitch. And she does not ease up on her bitches. In fact, the nicest she is is right before Freddie kills her in a dream. She like hugs Kristen's like, oh, what are you why are you hugging me for? She's like, I miss you. That's all it's all a dream. It's all fake. Her mom is a royal bitch throughout this entire movie. She is out late with some guys, like, hey, where's the bourbon? And I remember I rem I hadn't seen this movie in years. And the moment that the guy said it at the beginning when he really said it, uh, I, I was like, Oh, and I even re re repeated to myself what Freddie says later, which is awesome. But the mom's like, you just need to go to bed, go to bed. I don't want to deal with you. I want to go get uh, lucky. I want to get drunk. It's been, I, I left my teenage daughter alone well after 1am and uh, please cover your ears because I don't want you to hear what you're about to hear. But she falls asleep pretty quickly, even though she's down in that coffee and she wakes up in front of Nancy's house. I mean, it's boarded up. It's disgusting. It's scary. It's spooky. Um, but it is, at this point, starting to feel like an iconic piece of Nightmare on Elm Street, the lore of, of the movie, of this whole the whole franchise. Uh, along with these spooky little shits that are like, either, you know, always singing the song and, and playing ball and twirling, cutting, you know, twirling rope, uh, jumping rope. And it's a dream. So obviously you do stupid things. Kristen goes right into the house, follows this kid into the house. Uh, fire burns. She runs out and there's Freddie right away chasing him. Now, the one thing that I never understand is how did Freddie come back? Like, do they ever explain it? Like this movie 
They had a definitive way to defeat Freddy. They succeeded in that way, in that definitive way, I guess, if you can say, you know, making sure consecrating bones is by burying it in a junkyard. Spoiler. Uh, and yet, he obviously comes back. Now, at the end of part two, right, she like be- fell in love or believed with in the kid and Freddie disappeared. But then, of course, the island comes out. It, it never quite, they, there's no explanation. Like, I know in Nightmare, they, I mean, in uh, in Halloween, they kind of lead you the beginning of the last one. They kind of show you what happens in many of them. I don't know if they do it in all of them. I forget. In in Friday the 13th, I know they do that a few times too. They Or he's dead and they figure out a way to bring him back. Uh, but here it's just, you know, he's in the dream world. He's in the dream world. You're there. You, you think you kill him. You just made him quiet for a while. Uh, but he'll be back. And he's chasing Kristen right away. And I love the concept of the the uh, fake out with the dreams where she wakes up. She's like, oh, my goodness, that was scary. Goes into the bathroom, turns the faucet and the friggin faucet comes alive with the blades. What an awesome effect that is. All that stuff seems practical. Most of this is practical, right? I think almost everything we see, uh, you know, some of it's green screen uh, or rear projection, but most of it is practical and it is gorgeous so this thing you see freddie in the mirror slicing dicing but it's it's not really a fake out or it's not really a you know you she doesn't wake up in her bed she's like half asleep she must be half asleep i'm trying to put logic behind this she must be half asleep because she's in the bedroom and she she when her mom opens the door she is bleeding and she's holding a razor blade in her hand so it's not it's not these blades um but she it's almost like Freddie made her like do this and it will look like a suicide, even though the mom caught her in time, even though it was Freddie. And that's kind of the whole thing with this version of a nightmare on Elm street three, they Freddie, his kind of idea is to make all these kids deaths look like suicides. He didn't do that in the first movie. He didn't have to do that. Like he would, he would stab you. And well, I guess, no, I shouldn't say they all look like suicides because um, there's some dream warriors later who are like, I'm here to fight. Oh no, I'm dead. Um, And those weren't, well, at least one of them wasn't a suicide or couldn't look like a suicide. And then there was one that there's like illogically was classified as a suicide. It makes no sense to me but it's still one of the more memorable deaths of this movie filled with memorable deaths. Uh, so we are off at, is it Weston Hills psychiatric hospital? Automatically she's checked in. And the cool thing is boom, there's Larry Fishburne. He's not Lawrence Fishburne yet. He's not Morpheus yet. He's Larry Fishburne still. That, and I remember when he was first Lawrence Fishburne, I'm like Lawrence Fishburne. I, I know Larry Fishburne who is, Oh, it's the same guy. He's just, Lawrence gives him more gravitas. Yes, I've used gravitas twice in this uh, in this episode, and I may use it a third time. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? So he is one of the orderlies or one of the nurses. I'm not exactly sure what his um, his exact title is in this, but he is he's Max, and he he works at the hospital. 
and we see we meet him right away we meet craig wasson he's dr neil gordon in this movie he i remember thinking he looked like robert england and i thought oh my goodness there's gonna be some sort of twist there nope never 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 like happened he just to me physically looked like robert england so Kristen's here we don't know this yet we can start to assume it and uh we start meeting some of the kids we meet this girl uh jennifer i believe her name is and she talks about having cigarette burns we see this guy kincaid uh who's in like the solitary confinement and to me kincaid was like the coolest i remember as 10 year old me i thought kincaid is the best he's awesome he's cool uh i watched this again i think you know what i think i still agree with that i think i that all that still passes the the cool factor uh and um he is probably he is one of my favorites uh so while this is going on all of a sudden they're like there's a new person here we gotta we gotta go find her it's Kristen. she is putting up a fight she's freaking out she does not want to go to sleep she does not want to be sedated because she does not want to go back to this dream this dream about a freddy and we come to find out that all the kids are having trouble sleeping all the kids are having dreams but she is like no please don't put me to sleep she she slashes larry fishburne she fights another guy and she she grabs a knife and she does some fairly poor acting where she's like dude one two freddy's coming for you three four i think she just said better lock your door she might have started with that so she didn't say freddy yet because they would have been like who's freddy so three four better lock your door five six grab your crucifix seven eight better stay up late nine ten and then all of a sudden you hear someone say never sleep again and they mention there's a new intern coming they turn around there's the new intern it's nancy and right away i'm like oh like um she's it's only 12 minutes into this ep into this movie and we've got our first dream our first almost kill, we start meeting kids and Nancy's back. And it's like, oh my goodness gracious, this is exciting. Nancy starts explaining herself to, um, you know, she starts talking about why she's there. We see her with Dr. Craig um, or what, Dr. Neil. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, Neil, you, you stay away from her. You are too old for her. You know, she is only, she is right out of school. Okay. Uh, she's an intern and, you know, but it doesn't seem to stop him from wanting to, I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't, he never goes there, but I think he wants to. And I think he would. Um, and while they're leaving, she drops her bottle of um, hypnocell. And it's like, what the hell is that? That's our first look at this medication called hypnocell, which is a drug created for a nightmare on Elm Street. We see him looking up, looking it up later. It's a drug, it's a dream suppressing drug. Uh, and that's really um, all we know. We don't know that yet. We just see hypnocell. So we go back to the hospital and Heather, Heather, Nancy starts meeting some of the other residents. She meets this dude who uh, I know from this movie and from um, Stand By Me. He is, he was, what is he? Eyeball, eyeball chambers and Stand By Me. Those are the only two things I know him from. He's been in other things. Uh, in fact, like real movies like The Fisher King or Fire in the Sky, Lonesome Dove, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Was he hanging out with with um, with uh, River Phoenix there too? Um, but in this movie, he plays 
I never remember his name. Uh, his name is Philip. I just know him as Puppet Boy. He makes puppets. Uh, I don't know what it is with like at a certain point in these movies, they bring in someone who either makes masks or makes puppets. But you're like, uh oh, puppets. That's first of all, puppets can be freaky. And um, that's not good. That's like going to play a part in what's going on here. He sleepwalks. He makes puppets. Hmm. How can we put that together? But all his puppets, even though Nancy thinks they're really cool, he says, I, I, they'd be a lot cooler if I had a knife just so I could carve them with a knife, but they're afraid I'm going to, you know, cut himself. Uh, we meet Kincaid, who's kind of just like this rough around the edges, but not like joking. He jokes around with Larry Fishburne. Uh, and then we meet Joey, this mute kid who I guess he's supposed to be the soft, sensitive, cute kid who's also horned up as hell for the uh, hot blonde nurse and who who actually seems to want to spend more time with this dick of a, of a um, uh, orderly. I don't know what else to call this guy, but I believe he's the same dick we see later with um, the girl who has the drug problem. We Who I think we met her really quick too um, at some point, right at the beginning where we're meeting a few people. That girl's name is Taryn. Uh, that's the that's the character's name. So here's the weird thing about uh, friggin' Joey in this scene. He literally looks like melancholy because he he has a he has like the huts for this girl, but he has a little teardrop. I thought it was tattooed. It wasn't there later. Almost like he's a gang member and he's killed someone. It's a little teardrop right below his eye, like he drew it for her. Like I'm sad. That's that's pretty much his complete character development is he's he is melancholy because he's horned up and that will get the better of him towards the end. We all know that it won't end well for most of these kids. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that for him, but it almost almost doesn't end well. So Nancy, for some reason, they send the intern back to Kristen's house to um, to do all the paperwork for uh, for Kristen to stay. The mother is completely like, she doesn't care. She just wants her to figure it all out. She's probably mad because she doesn't, she, she can't use my credit card anymore. Like she's completely oblivious to all the bad stuff that's going on with her. Uh, Nancy's like, this is pretty serious. Let me go grab her things. First, she was yelling for the help. She probably had a maid. She's like, I'll go up and do it myself. And when she goes up, she sees the house. Dun, dun, dun. The same paper mache house, which she probably steals. And, um, uh, the mother doesn't seem to care. We cut back over to the hospital and um, Kristen is drawing the house. What does she do right away? She falls asleep. I love, in this movie, they also start really doing the thing where the person leans over, puts their head up, and you're like, oh, they're already in the dream world. The little fake out uh, where you don't even know that they've made it there yet. But we know they've made it into the dream world. We know Kristen has when a bloody uh, uh, tricycle rides into the room and starts to melt. She looks around. All of a sudden, she's in the scary house again. And one of the coolest effects in this movie, it's real for two seconds. It's that friggin' pig on the table. It just jumps up. Uh, it it just it is so effective for two seconds of, of screen time. The little jump scare it gives it is really good. And then we Nancy, uh, Kristen goes into this other room. The room starts exploding. And this is where you realize they put some real thought into these sets. Uh, the walls are ripping in. The things, something's under the under the uh, rug, it pops up. It's a giant friggin' Freddy snake. It's very gross, uh, <laughs> you could say. And um, he 
Kristen is screaming, help, help, help. Nancy, help. Nancy hears it and wakes up. Uh, and she's like, what's going on? She doves off. Or maybe she, yeah, she hears it. She wakes up. She dozes off, falls into the chair, and then gets pulled into the dream. And this, this is when you realize this Kristen girl has the power to bring people into her dreams. And that is the most amazing thing. And when Freddie sees Nancy and goes, you, and Nancy sees Freddie and she's like, oh, shit, here we go. Then it's like, uh-oh, now we know. We know that both know that they're there. And it's kind of like, it's like an amazing, it's like, you know, Moby Dick seeing Ahab or, you know what I mean? It's like uh, uh, Van Helsing seeing Dracula. Not exactly, but like Freddie knows that this, that, that Nancy is a viable foe and seeing her, he, you could see fear in that big, ugly face. The next day she brings the house into, into work. And she's like, where did you make this house? This is my house. She's like, it's just a house in my dreams. Oh, and how, how were you able to pull people into your dreams? Like if that was the next day, I would be right to the doctor. I'd say this girl pulled me into a dream uh, from my house. She has the powers. This is amazing. This is incredible. Get everyone to test her, everyone to study her. Let's all go in and kill Freddie. Boom, the end. But they don't tell anybody about this. They're just like, oh, that's really cool. We could use that. That might be that may be effective in the future. Great. They don't, we don't, they don't bring it up in front of the, the, the female doctor at all. We go to group. The first time we go to group and we kind of meet some of the other kids. Uh, we see that, you know, one of the girls has drug problems. What, the girl Jennifer is going to be a big actress someday, even though it seems like it's, you know, completely uh, pie in the sky. Um, and the, um, what's the kid's name? The, he's the wizard master. He, uh, is it Will? He says, you know, I, I had an accident. And they're like, accident? You jumped, like basically saying he jumped. He tried to commit suicide. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, talk about suicide when they were walking into the hospital earlier, Larry Fishburne had a radio on. It's like two other teens, two more teens commit suicide. So it seems like Freddie is making, he's either making them commit suicide, you know, forcing it. So it looks like suicide or he's killing them. And people are just assuming it's suicide because they're alone. I don't know, but it seems like a much bigger thing is going on here. Um, not enough that the, like, you know, like it, it feels like it should be, a bigger deal than just these six kids or f whatever, how many kids in this hospital, like the whole town should be freaking out what's going on here. Um, so we go to uh, the, at the group thing, you know, we meet this other doctor who we find out, well, we, we met her earlier, but she doesn't think she thinks all these dreams are just their guilt and, you know, doesn't think much of what's going on here back in the, it's nighttime almost. And, um, Three of the kids are playing like a Dungeons and Dragons type game. The girl goes off to bed. And finally, we see uh, the two boys, it's Joey and Will. They're about to go to bed. Larry Fishburne helps Will because he's in a wheelchair into his bed. Um, I feel like I'm still going through step by step, even though I didn't take, I haven't taken any notes at this point. Uh, but this is where we see the kids have their own little plan. One of them stays up and one of them watches the other uh, sleep. If there's a peep, if there's any noise, they wake the other kid up right away so that, you know, he doesn't get murdered in his sleep. Uh, while this is going on, it's nighttime here, and Nancy goes out to dinner for Thai food, the only Thai food in Springwood. 
with Dr. Dr. Neil. I think he, this is when they start talking about hypnocell, uh, but it's like already they're going out to dinner. I don't think I like this, Nancy. Stay away from this guy. He seems like a perfectly innocent guy, but it just, it's not good to mix your pleasure with your work, your social with your work, unless it's completely platonic, which it does kind of end up that way um, in the movie, but I don't think it would have if things turned out differently at the end. So we've gone a long way in this movie. We are, are already half hour into this movie. And yes, we've heard about some untimely deaths, but there's been no on-screen deaths in this movie. The body count isn't all that big, really. Um, but it's time. I think it's time. It's nighttime. And it's the right time to kill a puppet-making boy. Yes, uh, Philip is sleeping. And we, while you know the dream, while we see him sleeping, we pan over to his wall, and he's got these three puppets. One of them kind of looks like Star wars but not really. Now, one of these puppets all of a sudden puts his head up, creepy enough, and then turns into Freddy. And the effect is like that old-fashioned stop motion. We get that twice in this movie, and it is, it is beautiful because it's perfect in its imperfection. Like, you see the seams. You know what, how it's done. Uh, it's, you know, nowadays, all that would be digital. It would look almost perfect. Uh, and it would just, it just wouldn't have the, the, um, not the, not the character, but the charm that this, that this does. I mean, this face, this little clay face turns into Freddy so beautifully, jumps down, already creeping me out. They the, got the fingers for nails. Then it turns into big Freddy. And he's like, all right, here it comes. He slashes his legs and arms open in the, the most, is this the most gruesome kill? I think it is. The veins of the of like him, his arms and his legs get pulled out and become puppet strings. And all of a sudden, he, he gets up and he starts walking like a puppet being pulled by his arms and legs. But in the real world, he looks like he's doing that. Everyone thinks he's just sleepwalking. He says he has a sleepwalking problem. Kincaid hears him sleepwalking. He's like, whatever, dude. Doesn't bother to wake him up. A nurse doesn't even see this going on. He goes, he walks right by, nothing's going on. Now, Joey was staying awake. He looks out the window and boom, he sees Philip right at the edge of a window. And he's like, oh my God, but he, did I mention Joey is doesn't speak? He's mute. So he's like, oh. he's freaking out. He goes over, wakes up, Will drags him out of bed. I feel like we see Will's leg move a little bit. And I said, oh, nope, but he did pretty good of keeping his legs limp. Um, and he's like, no. No, he goes, go get help. Joey goes off. He's smashing, making noise, trying to wake everybody up. All the kids end up by the window. Don't do it. Don't do it. And we see Will up there and he's struggling. But when we see the dream side of things, all those veins and in, in, uh, arteries or whatever the hell they are, are pulled up above the building. And at the top of the building, we see Freddie doing like puppetry. Such an iconic, like, moment i feel like we've that shot of freddie doing puppetry has been like has been turned into art uh and and then at the last second he cuts the strings and this kid falls out of the window to his death and the next day they're like um this is where the the movie loses me for a second this is where it starts to feel a little timely and this is where dr neil loses me for a second where they're talking about how he died 
the doc, um, they're blame, they start to blame their dreams and, um, the, the main doctor wants nothing to do with it. Dr. Neil, you know, they're like, he, he got killed. It's that guy. He's killing us in the dreams. And, um, uh, at this point, Nancy's like, I know who it is. I don't even know if she says it right then and there, but she says, I know who it is. Uh, and, but the thing that, that, um, that Dr. Neil does, he yells at them. He's like, no, Philip committed suicide. He took the cowardly way out and, you know, he let us all down. It was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, like, first of all, he didn't commit suicide. But second of all, just the idea of classifying suicide in that way, uh, it seems very archaic and very, um, like, there's no, very discompat, no compassion, whatever the no, you know, like, like no thought of mental health, all this stuff. And maybe that's how they, that, well, that's how this guy sees it, but I'm not sure if that's how the writers are, that's how people start. Then I feel like there is more compassion nowadays, more, a little more understanding. I mean, it's of the tragedy that is it, that it is, but it's just the fact that the doctor said this to kids, just, um, it bugged me. It, it, it did bother me. So while all this is going on at this group and, and everyone's getting upset and, and Philip just died, Kincaid really freaks out. And at this point, the doctor is talking about like forcing them all to, uh, go to, you know, to be sedated. Kincaid freaks out and gets put into solitary and all the kids are upset, but we cut over to Jennifer at night. She is watching TV. She's trying to stay up late. She's burning herself with cigarettes to stay up late. Larry Fishburne comes in. He's like, you got to go to bed. It's like, you know what? It's been a rough day. Philip just died. Um, can can I at least stay up for a little while longer? She's watching TV. She's doing research, she called it, because she is going to be a big TV star. He's like, fine, I'll let you do it this time. You can stay up. So she stays up. She's flipping the channels. She comes across the Dick Cavett show. Uh, if you don't know Dick Cavett, he's a, he was an actor and a, um, a talk show host for years. In fact, I'm trying to think, is Dick Cavett still alive? Cavett. If, if he is dead, he just died recently. Uh, my friends, Dick Cavett is 87 years old and still kicking. Uh, and he just has that voice. His voice, I think he was even featured in Forrest Gump. I think Forrest Gump and, and John Lennon were on the Dick Cavett show together. Uh, but in this episode of the Dick Cavett show, he has Zsa Zsa Gabor on. And what is great about this episode is that it's not a real episode. This was made for this movie. And she we don't realize she's already asleep. She dozed off. Dick Cavett is, is asking Zsa Zsa Gabor questions. And then he's like, he gets up. He's like, oh, who cares, bitch? And he's about to kill Zsa Zsa Gabor as Freddy Krueger. And you realize that they're part of this because they're in the opening credits. Dick Cavett and Zsa Zsa Gabor in it. And if you're a kid like me, you didn't care. But I can only imagine my dad, if he was paying attention to the credits, being like, Dick Cavett and Zsa Zsa Gabor. What the hell is going on here? So the TV starts glitching. And she gets up and goes over to it. And she's like, what the hell is going on? And she goes up, she starts smashing the TV. And all of a sudden, arms pop out of the television. And they grab her. And then a head 
pops out of the television. It's Freddie's head pushed. I don't know. I forget if he had antenna or not, but he pushes out of the television. She's freaking out and he goes, welcome to prime time, bitch. Takes her and smashes her head into the television, killing her. Now, this is what we see in the dream world. I don't know what's going on in the real world, but Larry Fishburne comes into the room and we see this girl, Jennifer, and I'm telling you, she is three feet off the ground. She has no chair nearby her. Her arms are at her side and her head is inside the television and she's clearly dead. But how the hell would she have done this? Like, how the hell could this possibly happen, logically speaking? Like, how does how is any of this explained? They just call it a suicide. No investigation is done. In, is done, And it's like, it, that is just it. Now, there are two, quote unquote, suicides in, a, in like a day at this at this hospital. Um, and that's our first I kill our kill count right now. 40 minutes into this movie is two people. I forgot to mention that we also had uh, the other girl, Taryn, I think her name was, who is the drug addict. Uh, one of the orderlies came up and he's like, hey, 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 you want to uh, you want to score? Basically, I have I have a key to the drug medicine cabinet. We can have as much meth as we want or whatever. And she's like, I don't do that. It's like, I, how do you get those track marks then? Now, this guy. I don't think he gets his comeuppance. I feel like nothing happens to this guy and you feel like it definitely should. We cut over to uh, Jennifer's uh, funeral. And what I forgot to mention is earlier in the movie, uh, Dr. Neil sees this nun, this scary looking nun all dressed in white. And now he sees her again at this funeral and starts talking to her. And um, she starts mentioning this abomination. She doesn't say, but it's this abomination. It must be destroyed. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? Then Nancy comes over. She's dressed as Carmen Sandiego. And she's like, what are you doing all the way over here? He's like, oh, I just, I saw a woman. He's like, who are you talking to? And there was no one there. Now she walked off. So you're thinking, oh, she just walked off. There's nothing spooky going on. Or is there? So Nancy's like, listen, I think it's time. I told you what's going, tell you the truth. They go back to Nancy's house. She has this little like Asian dream doll, which doesn't really come into play, but it is brought back later in the movie. And she's like, I need to explain to you what's going on. And she tells him everything about Freddy Krueger. The next day, they have their own unofficial group without the other doctor, just um, the five remaining kids, Nancy and Dr. Neil. And they're like, she's like, I know who's doing this. His name's Freddy Krueger. He's got knives for fingers, which I do. I took the glove off, but I still have knives for fingers. Wait, I don't know if you've noticed, I've had to edit a little bit. And I took my dog out at one point, but wait, 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 knives for fingers. Ah, oh, wait, I didn't put the knives in the fingers or the fingers in the knives. Okay. Now I'm officially Freddie again. Um, and some of this feedback I'm getting on my microphone makes me want to take it and just stab the microphone. But uh, she's like, he's got knives for fingers. He's got a greasy hat and he's gross. And Freddie's, you know, in the dream world, going, why are you saying all these mean things about me? But they're like, oh my God, that's the same guy. Why is he doing this? And she says, this is where you get the logic. It has nothing to do with you. He killed a bunch of kids and then our parents killed them. And you are the last. And then he came back to have revenge over us Elm Street kids. You are the last of the Elm Street children. Um, but I have an idea. 
we can keep each other safe because uh, Kristen knows how to bring everyone into our dreams together. Now, um, this is how we're going to do it. Um, we're going to uh, go into hypnotizing. Now, here's the thing. Kristen doesn't do anything here. Dr. Neil's like, all right, let's hypnotize everybody. Oh, it didn't work. But then they, they realize that they're actually in the dream world. It did work because remember those little balls that were big in the 80s where they you hit one, then the other one bounces back and forth. It seemed like every uh, office had one in the 80s in movies. Well, all of a sudden those balls are flying around the room. It's like, whoa, we're dreaming. And how do we know this? We know this because in our dreams, uh, the, the, the kid in the wheelchair, he's like, I can, I can walk. In my dreams, I'm known as the wizard master. And then Kincaid's like, I can break, I can bend furniture. And Kristen's like, I can do backflips. And then they show Taryn and she's like, in my dreams, I'm beautiful and bad. She's got like a giant. Um... She's got this giant mohawk and switchblades. That's how she's bad. And oh boy, does she know how to use those switchblades? So they're like, where the hell's Joey? Joey doesn't know he's in the dream world. And he sees that, that hot blonde nurse. And she's like, come here, Joey. I want to show you something. Well, he's like, well, I wonder what she wants to show me. She wants to show you her boobies. So he, she takes him into the room. She starts seducing him, gets naked, climbs on top of him, goes in for the kiss. And then she grabs his tongue with her tongue. It's pretty gross. Pulls back. And then you realize, oh, my God, it's Freddy Krueger the entire time. Spits the tongues spits tongues at him so it grabs his arms and his legs and it um it holds him over the bed like his arms and his legs are held together by tongues it's pretty gross the mattress falls away and you look down and you just see like a hellscape and they all they back in the other room they start um freaking out because the room starts turning like uh burnt like fire burnt hellscape yes i took the glove off again and um, they're like, oh no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The other doctor in real life comes into the room, wakes them all up and Joey's on the ground on the floor. He's the only one on the floor. He's alive, but he's in a coma. The head of the hospital comes. He's like, uh, we have two suicides and a kid in a coma in like two days. You're out of here. He fight. He fires Dr. Neil. He fires Nancy. Get the hell out of here. Um, Dr. Neil's like, fine. He packs up his box. When he goes outside, he sees that, 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 uh, that nun again, follows her upstairs. And this is where you get a little bit of the backstory where she says, this used to be the, the psych ward where the worst of the worst were here. Killers, rapists, the worst of the worst. And there was a young woman who got locked in here once for a weekend and they hit her and they took turns raping her. And when they found her, she was with child. And, um, if that woman's name was Amanda Kruger and they're like Freddie's mother. And um, he, she's like, yes, he is the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. That became like his, his goat, like, Oh, Freddie Krueger, quote unquote, colon, the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. I used to say a thousand maniacs. That's too many maniacs. And then I thought, is it 10,000 maniacs? Is that where the band got their name? That would be too cool if they got their name from that. If this, but it's a, of the hundred maniacs. So it, it doesn't, none of it makes sense. Um, but again, she leaves him and he, he tries to, you know, he starts to, to leave. He can't, he, 
he can't follow her out. She disappears again. Even though Nancy was kicked out of this hospital, for some reason, she's still there hanging out with Joey. She's like, what, you know, sitting bedside by him. His parents aren't there. A parent, not a parent to be found, but Nancy's right there. And um, while she's waiting, he's got his arm, his, his whole chest exposed so that uh, Freddie could carve into his, into his chest, uh, come and get him, bitch. Now that would leave quite a scar. No one noticed. No one said anything. She didn't go, uh, come here, look what just happened. And they might have blamed her, said you did this because what else is to believe? And I mean, you really think about it. The doctor and the other nurse are like, you have to believe that there is a monster man in their dreams killing them all. They're like, really? I do have to believe that? Like, it it almost makes sense that, they, that he fired them. It's There's cause for termination, let's put it that way. Uh, but back um i guess nancy's now with the doctor again they're driving off and uh they were like you know what um he says we have to get rid of the remains we have to desecrate them you know we have to give them a proper burial or whatever that's the only way that this this spirit will go to sleep i feel like that's the stuff i see later in like tv show supernatural where they must bury the bones um uh, there's only one person who knows where the bones are hidden and that's Mr. Um, Thompson himself, Nancy's dad, who hangs out. I guess he's still a cop because he's wearing the cop uniform. He hangs out at a bar. Um, they Oh, they talked about her mom died in her sleep. Interesting. Uh, but the dad just seems to be hanging out at a bar, all kinds of drinks. He He's like, Nancy, my dear, I haven't seen you in so long. What are you doing here? Oh, and she's like, you need to tell us where you hid Freddy Krueger. He goes, not him again. That's old news. I'm not helping him. And she Nancy calls over to the um to the hospital to see how things are doing. They find out that Kristen. Oh no, I'm sorry. Nancy gets a collect. Wait a minute. How do they get a collect call? How the heck did they get a call? Oh no, they called the hospital. I forget exactly. Oh, she he got Paige. That's what it is. The doctor got Paige. He called back. The kids call and say Kristen's been put in solitary confinement. She's been given sedation. Something, you know, she something bad's going to happen. They're like, oh, shit. So Nancy's like, I'm going back there right now. And Dr. Neil's like, listen, mister, grabs the dad. He goes, I don't I don't think you, I don't know if you care about her, but I do. I don't know if you care about what happens to your daughter, damn it, but you're going to bring me to those bones. So Kristen's doing everything she can to stay awake. Nancy heads off to the hospital and Dr. Neil takes Nancy's dad. First takes him to church. He goes and gets some holy water. Steals a cross, even though he gives the priest his his uh, license, so that you know as collateral, so he can come back and pick it up later. Nancy heads to the hospital, and she's like, "Yo, uh, can I see Kristen?" He's like, "No, you can't see her. Can I see the other kids?" Okay, fine, you can see the other kids. So she's like, "Come on, other kids, let's all go to sleep, and we'll meet in the dream inside Kristen's dream." Even though it seemed like it was Kristen's special power, now anyone can do it. So they all fall asleep, and they all meet inside the padded room with Kristen. She falls asleep and they're all together. Meanwhile, Dr. Neil and, and Nancy's dad are, go to a junkyard because that's where the bones are hidden. He's like, I don't know. I remember exactly where they are, but we'll find them. Uh, and we only still only have a kill count of two, but they go to the, um, but there'll be more. Don't worry. Um, that seems a weird thing to say. They go in, they get hypnotized. They all end up together. And then Freddie starts attacking right away. And then we get this cool little thing where all the kids get separated in their dreams. So Freddie starts attacking the, the, the padded room and boom, 
All of a sudden, Kristen's back with her mom. That's where we get the replay of the beginning of the movie, except this time, Freddie's like, where's the bourbon, bitch? And then goes in and kills the mom, chops off her head and shows Nance, shows Kristen the, the head. Kristen freaks out, um, but then she screams as Freddie jumps on her. Uh, she ends up, she jumps away, ends up in the house, in the Nancy's house. Then we cut over to the the two kids who are less fortunate. We get Taryn first. She's all punked up, ready to fight. Uh, and Freddie shows up. He's like, hey, baby, want to get high? She's like, no, knife fight, knife fight, knife fight. He's like, no. He shows four syringes, just goes up, stabs her. And he goes, ooh, what a rush. And she's dead. Now, dream warriors, okay? No one's put up a fight yet. The first dream warrior killed in two seconds. Uh, and she, But she, hers is going to look like an overdose, right? So maybe she'll die and it will look like a suicide or or accident overdose. But they made the little track marks talk or like mouths move. That was very gross and very cool. Uh, then we cut over to the kid uh, that was in the wheelchair. He's walking around. He's like, I'm the wizard master. Freddie's like, oh, you're the wizard master? Yes. And he he gets a cloak. He has special effects. He goes, demon, be gone. And Freddie's like, yeah, I don't play with that nerdy shit nerd. And boom, stabs him, kills him. He's gone. It's like, well, that was quick. That didn't take very long. So uh, Kristen's in the house. All of a sudden, Nancy's in the house. They're back together. They're happy as hell. They don't realize the two of their friends are already dead. Dead, dead, dead. And then a wall starts smashing through. And then King Cage shows up looking like a kind of a, kind of like ozone in, in breaking. Got the red tank top, black suspenders. And he is like, he's ready to kick ass. Now he's not the most muscular guy, but he's still a big, massive guy, and he's ready, and he's got super strength in his dreams. So like, so he starts calling out Freddie. He's like, "Come on, Freddie, you big mf'er!" And uh, a door appears, and then it's like, this this is where the set feels massive. It's like, why would Freddie allow this door to happen to bring them down to to fight them? I don't know, but this door appears, and so now it's uh, Kincaid, Nancy, and Kristen. They go down these spiral staircase to like the, the quote unquote boiler room where they are, um, they see Freddie, they see Joey tied over a bed, even though he's in a, you know, he's in a coma in real life. He's hanging over that same bed or the, the hole like the bed. He's hanging over the hole over that hellscape. Meanwhile, uh, Dr. Neil and, um, and Nancy's dad, I found the spot where the, uh, the bones are. And he's like, um, Nancy's dad's about to leave. And Dr. Neil's like, I have the keys. You're not going anywhere. Now let's get digging. We're going to have ourselves a funeral. So back in the dream world, uh, this is, and I believe this is also where Dawkins rocking, where Dawkins was rocking in the video. It's very similar to the, to the, uh, to the video here. So they go down, they try to save uh, Joey. They, they're able to, oh, she says, let him go. He's like, okay. So he starts loosening the things where Joey almost falls. Nancy saves him catches him then we get some fights uh between them Kristen does some flips they she grabs Kristen. nancy stabs her with a pole and freddie's like i don't care and he takes the pole out he licks it and then he rips his shirt and he goes ah like the souls of the children uh, i feed on them and there's a room for more and we see their faces and i don't know if that was a if that was done with like a giant if it was miniaturized faces or a giant group of faces uh, that that was like a huge thing with their actual faces. I don't know. Kind of cool. Kind of gross. 
Uh, but then you start really seeing Freddie feeds off these souls and he's choking Kincaid, but then he lets go because over in the, in the junkyard, uh, he's getting the sense that something bad's happening to his body and they're about to do something. So he somehow makes all these cars, the horns uh, honk on these cars. And he also figures out a way to reanimate his skeleton for more friggin'. Is it like Ralph McQuarrie? Is that the guy who did the original stop motion, more stop motion animation? This time it's the friggin' skeleton who comes in and throws um, Nancy's dad across the room, kills him, kills him. It's friggin' great. Uh, I mean, not that he's dead, but he throws him across the room and it's like, oh, like it's the, the skeleton's great. And then he bumps uh, um, Dr. Neil on the head, throws him in the hole, starts burying him and uh, and then kind of just goes, yay. And then the the, the, the the bones collapse. You're like, okay, goes, now we're back in the dream world again. And the kids are walking through this room of mirrors and it's some pretty cool effects in here because all of a sudden freddie shows up in the mirror and starts pulling the kids into the mirror where it looks like half of their face is like hand-drawn animation not exactly but really closely you can see it was it was animated i think and the other half is uh is the real life freddie's pulling them in the only one left is joey so joey the kid who can't speak all of a sudden goes no finds his voice and they're like i guess he goes, did I just do that? And like, I guess that's your superpower. He's like, we did it. Freddie saved. He's, we, yay. And then in a super corny thing, but it was super corny on purpose, all of a sudden, John Saxon, Nancy's dad, floats down. He's like, hey, kiddo, I'm about to pass on. Nancy isn't like, wait, you're dead? What the hell happened? You were just fine. She's like, what do you mean, dad? He's like, I have to go, but I couldn't say goodbye to you first. I'm so proud of you. He hugs her. And then Nancy goes, oh. And then you look, and it's Freddie stabbed nancy and that wasn't john saxon that was frederick krueger and oh my goodness gracious she killed nancy so while uh nancy is you know while nancy gets stabbed all of a sudden at the, that exact moment uh you think she's gonna they're gonna kill Kristen. you think uh he's gonna kill everybody in real life uh, dr neil starts burying the skulls Flat, splashes them with holy water, throws a cross on them, and in the dream world, Freddy turns into light and basically disappears. He gets torn apart. He's like, no, I'm dead, and completely disappears. And uh, Freddy's gone. Freddy's dead, right, I guess? Uh, and Nancy is dead as well because the next shot we see is Nancy's funeral now her parents I, I maybe it'd be a double funeral because her dad's dead too uh but no weird no weird questions like how did nancy die uh how did her dad die and she died what is going on like you think there'd be police involved nothing in fact the we don't see anybody at the funeral that we recognize well, i think i guess they're all dead uh but we do see uh we do see the kids from elm street three they seem to be the only recognizable kids that people that we see at the funeral and once again, at the funeral, Dr. Neil sees the nun in the background and goes over and uh, tries to talk to her, traces her, basically runs off from the funeral while, while everyone else is mourning uh, this tragic loss, uh, you know, these multiple funerals they've been to. Like, you should just see plots everywhere. He's like, wait, nun, what are you doing? 
goes to follow her, goes around this giant headstone. Uh, she's gone, but then she sees a, he sees a grave, Amanda Kruger, in her name cries, and under it, Sister Mary Helena. It's the same person. That that old nun was Freddie's mom the entire time, and she died in 1968. Wait, how old was Freddie? I don't even want to. I don't even know how old Freddie was there. But anyway, we go back to Doctor Neil's house. He's sleeping. He must have raided Nancy's apartment because he has the little doll, the little dream doll, and he has the house. Even though that should be with Kristen, he has the house, and. Uh, all of a sudden, a light turns on in the house like somebody's still home. And then, boom, it cuts out. We get more docking. I don't know how the light would be turned on. I don't even know that it was, it was set up for lights. But boom, bang, bomb. That's the end of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Three uh, dream warriors. Were they really dream warriors? Some of them were. A lot of them just died off pretty quick. But it was the beginning of, hey, you know what? I was going to say it's the beginning of, hey, we could fight back. But no, no, no. Nancy fought back right in part one. But now it felt like we can fight back together. I say that. But Nancy and, and, and Johnny Depp were in a dream together for a moment as well. So maybe this was just like, hey, let's just have fun. And there now we can, a group of kids uh, can fight together in the dream world. That, that at least seems new. Uh, even though Johnny Depp, remember, was he was hiding behind the lamppost. Ooh, did I just disappear? Oh my goodness, I'm back. And I disappeared. He was hiding behind a lamppost in um, part one. So it is possible for um, people to be in dreams already together in the first one. Uh, but this one was just like, oh, these are fun movies. They did they're not just they're not just scary. They're, you know, enjoyable, popcorn even. Uh, and this was the first one that's like, here we go. I just don't remember. I have zero recollection of how much fun they are going forward or if they are fun. Uh, I have not seen part four or five or six in a million years. So I'm looking forward to revisiting those and I hope to start doing it sooner and not taking months uh, to do it like uh, in, you know, in previous episodes. Um, so I think I'm done. I think I've done it. Uh, I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to thank you for continuing to still find the podcast uh, slash horror any, available anywhere podcasts can be found. If you're on the YouTube channel, I want to thank you for finding this and, and watching this. Uh, and if you made it this far, you know, congratulations. You are a rare few and I appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at Geek Mentality, on Instagram at Geek Mentality, on Mastodon.social at Geek Mentality, on, where else? Threads at Geek Mentality. Um, but the show also has its own Twitter account. And it also has, does it have its own Instagram account? I think so. Slash horror, slash horror. All one word on the socials. Um, Linktree.com slash slash horror it's tough when you want to say slash in the url but the beginning of your uh show is also called slash it throws things off a little bit as far as when you say it it sounds odd but i don't care as long as you find it any way you found it i appreciate it so so much so 
next time uh we have a different Kristen. we have some of the kids from part three but i don't remember if they stick around all that long we have a new director in rennie harlan and um the same old freddy freddy krueger so that's it i'm all done happy new year everybody happy 2024 i hope to do a lot more of these uh, a lot sooner and and hope to be a little more regular in getting these up to you but thank you for listening thank you for subscribing thank you for following on youtube uh if that's what you're doing and until next time my friends remember it's fun to be scared <laughs> i took the glove off Fans not experts.